When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Witcher Lorecast, where we take a look into the vast universe of the Witcher, such as the games, books, shows, and so much more. Welcome back, Witchers, to another episode of the Witcher Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, and always with me today is my good friend, Toasty. Always with you today, just today. Well, you... it actually hasn't been me, though, all of the other times. Yeah. Hmm, debatable. I'm actually a Doppler. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, Toasty's a Doppler, everyone. You heard it here. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'm a good, I'm like, I'm, I'm a good Doppler, like doo-doo. There we go. See Custy actually died a long time ago, but I felt an obligation to keep doing this, <laughs> keep his memory living on. He died during work uh, exhaustion. No, just no. depression. No. Oh, that's worse. <laughs> oh, no. It is, but it's so true, bro. So true. Oh, well, anyway, uh, we are here again talking about um it looks like norlean pantheon but not the pantheon you might think not i mean we're done with the deities um but there are other facets of the pantheon including mystical slash magical forces or maybe it's hard to say so uh we do have a few of these uh, we're going to talk about all of the ones that they, the the Nordlings consider part of their pantheon today, which are chaos and order, um, the eternal fire, Boo. destiny, and the white frost. <clears throat> so, a few things to get through. Um, so, without further ado, I guess um, we'll start with chaos and order. Um, which are kind of lumped together. It's considered two separate forces, but um, they kind of go hand in hand because they are the opposites of each other. It's a yin and yang situation here. Yeah. But um, uh, actually, well, sorry, we'll get to that. Uh, but chaos is a mystical power opposite to order. According to Borch, chaos is divined as defined as a threat the aggressive side while order is defensive and endangered uh don't know why i put that get out of here um 
according or he talks about it specifically in his short story we are talking of course of uh borch three jackdaws or village of tinmirth uh uh but the passage from the sword of destiny is quite a selective approach very practical i'd say but at the root of it lies some idea Geralt. The conflict between the forces of order and the forces of chaos, as a sorcerer acquaintance of mine used to say. I imagine that you carry out your mission, defending people from evil, always and everywhere. Without distinction, you stand on a clearly defined side of the palisade. The forces of order, the forces of chaos. Awfully high-flown words, Borch. You desperately want to position me on one side of the palisade in a conflict, which is generally thought to be perennial, began long before us and will endure long after we've gone on which side does the farrier shoeing horses stand or our innkeeper hurrying here with a cauldron of lamb what in your opinion defines the border between chaos and order and that was of course Geralt who said that uh a very simple thing said three jackdaws and i looked him straight in the eye that which represents chaos is menace, is the aggressive side, while order is the side being threatened, in need of protection, in need of a defender. But let us drink and make a start on the lamb. <laughs> yeah, because all he wanted to do is make conversation and eat. But you know, you gotta, you gotta respect the pers- uh, the perspective of a dragon, right? Oh, Especially absolutely. a gold dragon. So it's. I mean, he's been around for who knows how long. So maybe maybe he was around whenever the forces of chaos are first introduced into the world. Like, who knows? Yeah, I I mean, as far as we know, dragons can live. Like, we don't have a lifespan of dragons in The Witcher. For all we know, they could be immortal creatures. Or, like, not immortal as in, like, they can't die, but, like, immortal as in lifespan-wise. Yeah. But this is further expanded on by Yennefer um, with her particular perspective on it. Um, Passage uh, from some of her teachings in Blood of the Elves. Uh, Magic is, in some people's opinion, the embodiment of chaos. It is a key capable of opening the forbidden door. The door behind which lurk nightmares, fear, and unimaginable horrors, behind which enemies hide and wait, destructive powers, the forces of pure evil capable of annihilating not only the one who opens the door, but with them the entire world. And since there is no lack of those who try to open the door, someone at some point is going to make a mistake, and then the destruction of the world will be forejudged and, and inevitable. Magic is, therefore, the revenge and the weapon of chaos. The fact that following the conjunction of the spheres, people have learned to use magic is the curse and undoing of the world. The undoing of mankind. Those who believe that magic is chaos are not mistaken. However, yeah. I mean, coming from the end, not surprising. Yeah. Um, However, the sort... Yeah. However, the sorceress clarifies that this view is just one of many and that each philosophy is correct in a sense. Another passage from Blood of Elves. Remember, she repeated, magic is chaos, art, and science. It is a curse, a blessing, and progress. It all depends on who uses magic, how they use it, and to what purpose. And magic is everywhere. 
all around us, easily accessible. It is enough to stretch out one's hand. See, I'm stretching out my hand. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, there is, there's, like, from what we see of it, like, I can, like, I understand the perspective because we do see, like, certain aspects that are fine. Like, I mean, all of the elements that set fire are fine. Right. But then fire is the embodiment of, like, in this sense, chaos. There is no order to it. It just consumes and 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 expands and conflagrates and that's what it does and it like does it even in a magical sense fire consumes those who try to wield it in some way or another so mm-hmm. yep unless um, you're tris from the games yeah whatever <laughs> she's just like yeah i guess like her and Ryan's are the only ones that can just do it, I guess. Right. <laughs> hmm. Uh, but she further implies that chaos is a real force in a sense capable of agency of its own. Magic is extending its hand towards you, Siri. To you, strange girl, surprise, child of the other blood, the blood of elves, strange girl woven into movement and change into annihilation and rebirth, destined and destiny which we will get to in a bit. Magic extends its hands toward you from behind the closed door towards you, a tiny grain of sand in the workings of the clock of fate. Chaos extends its talons towards you, still uncertain if you will be its tool or an obstacle in its design. That which chaos shows you in your dreams is this very uncertainty. Chaos is afraid of you, child of destiny, but it wants you to be the one who feels fear. Chaos cannot show you what it really is, so it is showing you the future, showing you what is going to happen. It wants you to be afraid of the coming days so that fear of what is going to happen to you and those closest to you will start to guide you, take you over completely. That is why Chaos is sending you those dreams. Yeah, okay. I mean, or, you know, it could be, you know, series powers at work. I mean, that's fair, but I kind of, I kind of, I think in the sense that what the idea is here is that it's not particularly like the powers that have the effect. It's like the people who can wield magic are just capable of manipulating it to their own benefit. And so it's basically like chaos is the force and they are not like the force of the capital F like Star Wars, but um like is the force that is there and permeates everything. And it is just those who learn to like harness and uh like manipulate it. And we kind of get this a bit in the show too, you know, with the whole I know, I it's so I weird. mean that <laughs> just sounds like the force. <laughs> it does sound like the force. I mean what is what is that like but like most like this is not a, a high fantasy setting, you know, like this, like high fantasy settings are all about using like magic and whatnot and like the science behind it and how they can like, you know, how that all works like this in like these kind of lower magic settings. It is typically like a not well understood thing. And it mm-hmm. is just those who learn to like how they can manipulate it. 
right uh, through... compared to high fantasy where you can use magic nilly willy without any consequence chaos mm-hmm. and the magic that you use in the witcher is a give and take process like you have to give something to use it mm-hmm. so i mean we yeah we learned that in the show and what like the cost of like using the life of the flower in order to lift the stone kind of thing you mm-hmm. know like you get to see that cost and what it is so but that's it for chaos and order um not much to say on order other than that is just the opposite side the things yeah. that kind of hold things in check yin so. and yang mm-hmm. but next uh we have uh something that people are probably pretty familiar with in the in the witcher uh, which is that of destiny. What? It's not like it shows up in every single book. In yeah. every single episode of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we do specifically have, uh, like we, <laughs> with Ben's implication, if we were to quote every time destiny is brought up in the books, we would be here for the next uh five weeks um so we're not going to do that we do have a passage specifically from the witcher one um about destiny though uh many people believe in the existence of destiny a mysterious force which binds certain people together determining their fates according to believers one can either follow the path of destiny of one's free will or try to resist it although the latter can bring grim consequences on the other hand some feel that destiny is not everything these people say that something more is needed in order to bind two lives together, even if the rules of fate decide otherwise. The poet Dandelion, or Dandelion, uh, contemplates whether human life is ruled by destiny. Sorry, I have to. Dandelion mentions the law of surprise. When a witcher demands from a man rescued on the road that which he does not expect once he returns home, it turns out to be a child born during the father's absence. Witchers take the unexpected children to their fortresses and train them to be their successors. Dan- <clears throat> Dandelion also wonders whether love can bind people with bonds of destiny. In no ballad does he provide a clear answer to the questions posed. So, and like we have, we have so like such specific examples here, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First things first, let's talk about the law of surprise, um, which we we know the premise. We've heard the premise. Um, a very big thing um, that and it doesn't have to be exactly that, but it typically is like worded that way. Like I want like you can pay me with what you find at home that you weren't expecting or something. Um, there are other uh, other like kind of claims on that uh what was Geralt specifically uh you talking about to amir with yeah like it's he he he, yeah because he he doesn't because obviously there's no returning home like you know kind of thing like yeah uh, it's um i will essentially i mean i think they did it very well with the in the show um Geralt literally looks at um well he doesn't it's, go it's, by Dooney and and yeah. literally is like oh I'll do the same as you I propose the law of surprise give me something you're unknowing um 
give me something so, something you, that you have that you do not that, yet know yeah i believe right? and then as soon as that happens boom pavetta morning sickness have morning sickness and it's like well yeah fuck so <laughs> which means they were fucking out of wedlock yep disgusting no kidding uh, <laughs> um but no so obvious like thing there and like the other part of it is um and i guess i guess i'll throw well no we've already passed this part so never mind um i was trying to think in the show and whatnot in the books i was trying to remember where i was at but yeah but like the stuff with uh the second law of surprise that still resulted in siri Mm-hmm. Uh, which was the you know the more traditional one of like, I want what you have at home that you did not well, you don't expect to find. Well, with the, the book, random traveler. Oh yeah, because when he saves oh, the guy yeah, yeah, from yeah, like yeah. the ghouls and stuff he, like yeah, that. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the, he does it again and it's still Siri. It's still Siri. Yeah, so he like winds up and he finds that it is uh, Siri again, which just further cements that idea. And I know that's a constant battle for Geralt with his like belief in like his lack of belief in destiny mm-hmm. um, and how it is. Although it's kind of a toss up because sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. It's like a weird thing because he has a weird um, on and off relationship like, with destiny. He does. And I think a lot of it does specifically come from his relationship with Yennefer mm-hmm. and like the, the, the toxicity that surrounds that because I believe because I think Siri happened like him claiming law of surprise on Siri happened before the first time happened before I think he got with Yennefer or met Yennefer. Um, it's hard to tell in the chronological it, order of things. I think so possibly, because he still, so. I believe so as well because he strongly believes in the idea in- of destiny and the law of surprise. Whenever that first story, they don't show it well yeah. in the show, but in the book, it is not a casual, flippant delivery of the law of surprise. It is very specifically, like, he tells Dooney, like, do you understand the implication of what you are offering me before I ask this of you? Like, do you know what you are uh, offering to give me here? Um, and he gets super serious about it. And I think then later he meets Yennefer. And again, we'll talk about that, this other aspect of it, of, like, because dandelion, like it's mentioned here in this passage, dandelion believing that love can bind people together. Geralt does, and whether it's love is arguable at the point, because but it is, kind yeah. of is for him um, because he does, and we don't know the wish specifically, but he does something that binds himself. Uh, his wish binds him to Yennefer in a way that should the the djinn do anything to harm her or kill her it would be uh like going against like the quote master of the djinn in the time he does he words it in such a way that yennefer cannot die because he has we'll say strong feelings i don't know if we want to say love yet no uh, I, think I, I wouldn't say strong. it's kind of a I would, weird I would say thing like yeah i would say strong feelings at like to a degree, I would not say love because it was like this happens all in like within like a span of two days. Yeah, but like, you know, 
Gerald is very like odd and obsessive, so that is it's it's hard to tell. Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, yeah. he didn't have the best childhood. <laughs> Look, I can under I can understand Gerald. I too get down bad quite often, so it's fine. Because that's really all it was. Is before there was the terminology of down bad. Geralt was down bad for Unifer. <laughs> like that's really what it was. Um, but yeah, so they're bound in like their own. Their two destinies are bound together through the wish, through kind of love. Um, and so, but it's because of that, like the love that either results or was the core, like the key foundation of the wish that gets like put on both of them. But the like toxic relationship that they have, they constantly coming together and then splitting apart, uh, often violently, um, that kind of leads to that, like his bitterness at the idea of destiny to where he comes around and is to collect, you know, Siri when she's old enough, he's kind of like, a, like, I don't know if I want her still. Right. Uh, but then that's eventually why, he, you know, Pavetta tried to uh, trick him. Is it Pavetta or Calanthe? Or Calanthe, sorry. Calanthe. Yeah. Sorry, Calanthe tried to trick him. Yeah, so, but Destiny has a fickle way of uh, making itself known, so Geralt yep. gets one other instance of the Law of Surprise, and it is still his child of surprise. Yep. So, so, Well, I'm and, stuck with her. <laughs> but it's fine, because he does grow to, like, love her, and that that's his fucking daughter, man. Like, so, mm -hmm. it works out. It's just, he, there was a reluctance at first, so. But, yeah. Um, but I think that's enough talking about destiny. Um, so we can move on to the white frost. Um, if you played Witcher three, probably heard of this. It sucks. Uh, it does. <laughs> so the white frost or white chill is one of the omens prophesied by Ithlene as heralding the beginning of the end of the world. Many attributed climate changes to the prophecy. As stated by Avalok and Nimue, the white frost is a poetic metaphor for an upcoming ice age caused by changes in the planet's orbit and axis, which would cause most of the northern hemisphere to freeze around 3,000 years after Nimue's life. The apocalypse could not be prevented, neither by mages, Aeon Sovereign, nor even Ciri, the only salvation was to open the Ardgath portals by elder blood so that people of the continent could move to another world. It is believed, however, that after some time, the world would be reborn under the new sun in a completely different form. So, as we know, it's not quite how things turn out. Nope, not um, at all. Not yeah. even close. <laughs> so, in the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, obviously... The wild hunt and bringing about the white frost is a big thing. Um, so the white frost is a phenomenon that results in the freezing of entire planets. While the most powerful magics may seemingly slow its pace on a regional level, it is widely understood to be an inevitable end of all worlds. Whether this is the result of a natural force, a malevolent entity, or an entirely different cause is not revealed. While trying to reach the world of the ANL elves, Geralt and Avalok transition to Ted Darren, a world completely completely consumed by the White Frost. Sorry, 
<laughs> Sometimes talk when you talk a lot. Yeah. Oh, oh, trust me. Doing four podcasts tells tells me enough. Yeah. At least you don't have to talk the the majority of this script. That's true. All the three yeah. of my other shows, absolutely. I yeah, I know. And I do two shows back to back on Wednesdays. Oh, gross. So I'm tongue tying like when I'm doing Wizarding World. Oh no. Uh, documents found here tell of the White Frost uh, process as being slow and steady, manifesting as unending snowfall. This eventually leads to the cessation of all settlement sustaining activities and the supplies of survivors inevitably dwindle until exhaustion, followed by death. After the defeat of the Wild Hunt, another conjunction of the spheres begins and Avalok and Ciri head to the tower on Undvik to halt the White Frost. Ciri, being the last vessel of the Elder Blood, heads through a portal to confront the White Frost. Depending on whether Geralt chose to show that he cherishes Cherishes, cherishes why does it sound wrong cherishes. <laughs> cherishes siri that he trusts her judgment and encourages her confidence or not siri will survive or die in the con- confrontation confrontation there's also a book found in ermian's laboratory in the keep of care trolled describing the phenomenon um and a bit of uh mythological reference the white frost is akin to to the Fimble Winter, a catastrophic winter prophesied in Norse mythology, which will end all life in the world and precede the Ragnarok. Yeah. So um that that's also partly in of Witcher 3. So depending on your choices, here you could live or die while facing yeah. the White Frost. Regardless yeah. of choice, the White Frost has stopped. Um but it does, it kind of does, it still bring about that idea of like a magical force that is just like beyond comprehension because we don't yeah. know. Oh, absolutely. Like Siri literally True. goes to the we, portal. We see her like climbing the hill, having flashbacks, and then like it cuts to the epilogue stuff. And so True. we don't know what she did to defeat it. And like, I don't think she ever tells us. Nope. Uh, even if she survived. So it's like, we don't know. Like, it is just a force. And it was like the force of her elder blood versus the force of the white frost that kind of just combat each other. Maybe she put it into an avoid where it can never spread to another place or entity of a planet or something. Or, you know, she literally used time, something with time and just stopped it for an eternity. Maybe. Who knows that? Who knows? Or she can like, because it's kind of a world, like it's mostly manifested on this, like this one world, right? So... It's well, possible the world she that just we like, go to, yeah. It's possible that she just like like locks it down to where you can't access it again. It's it's you know it's all up to speculation, I right? Mean, yeah, because we don't know. Yep. <clears throat> and then um, what was else was there? Uh, I think yeah, that's it. That's all I think. I don't I don't remember what I was going to say next. I hate it when that happens, but it happens right. so often. But yeah. Oh, the conjunction of the spheres. Yeah, we have another one. So there's more monsters now. So witchers are widely needed again. <laughs> but hey, look, depending you know, the fucking ending for Siri. The I well no, there's the idea for uh 
what we oh like what Witcher the possibility of like Witcher like Four or whatever. Hey, like, another conjunction. Regardless, well, regardless on what you chose for Geralt or whatnot, they could yeah they could easily go with that path of hey another conjunction happened after three, so there's now more monsters, so we need to make new Witchers. I mean, like if it is based on like the idea of like the school of the links and stuff like that and building a new witcher school like from like uh fanfics and all that which would yeah be I, like i said it's yeah like it's obviously that one's a huge speculation i just thought it was it is very it seems very telling that there is a whole fleshed out fan-made thing called the school of the links and that the symbol and, is the links yep and then they confirmed oh that's a links emblem yeah CD, did you hire the guy who did this fanfic? I mean, they might. I mean, they, they do might. talk. They <laughs> CDPR often talks about how like closely they work with modders, mm-hmm. like getting modders on their team to like get the thing, you know, and, referencing mods and things and as far as like adding content that people want to see to the thing game. Right now, with a lot of devs, is so many developers now are actually hiring talent from modders. Because they, a lot of times they actually add things that are better than what was in the original game. And like, there's people out there telling like these good stories, like about mm-hmm. and like coming up with the these ideas for things that like, you know, you get talent like that on the team. You're constantly looking for new, fresh ideas. So like, just getting stuff like that on the team and like using it is both very cool of them, um, and like, you know, using your resources because obviously, like. I, I fucking respect the hell out of the talent, but how many, like, at CDPR, but how many times, like, how many stories can you tell before you start running out without hiring new people, new faces and new brains with new ideas? Right. Yeah. So, like, you know, but, I like, mean, if it is, it is, if there's any, uh, any merit in the School of the Links fan-made thing, like, it's a combination of the School of the Wolf and the School of the Cat, which means... Arguably the strongest Witcher school to ever exist. If you think about it, like the the training techniques and like the dogma of the school of the wolf mm-hmm. combined with the alchemical expertise and perfection of the school of the cat. You just made unstoppable witchers. Also the numbers. Because the school the school of the cat is large, right? Like they're the largest school, I believe. Uh yeah, I believe so, yeah. So and they're still active with lots of members. Like they're not and they I mean, like you said, they perfected the mutagens to where even um females can be witchers. Mm Mm-hmm. So And like you don't have as much like like they're stronger. Like this, this a lot of the cat witchers, I believe, are closer on on par with Geralt than like the other wolf school witchers. Right. Honestly. So yeah. So like you're we're looking at the perfect school to combat the fresh wave of monsters from a new conjunction. Right. So as long as they don't add that Netflix BS, which I guarantee they won't because CDPR is much more close to the source material than they are. Um, <laughs> they literally just copy and paste from the book, so yeah. Good for mm-hmm. them. Well, make see, that's the thing is that they're a perfect representation of you can use you can be faithful to the source material, but also come with new fresh ideas that aren't dog shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I sorry, right, we're not here to roast yeah. Netflix for another time. We <laughs> gotta save those. Yeah, that's when uh season four drops. Um <laughs> yeah. 
But anyway, um, let's take a quick med break and we will be right back. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. Alright, welcome to the middle of the show. We're talking about everything with the podcast. This has nothing to do with the lore of the Witcher. Here, we want to thank all of our awesome patrons supporting the show. Thank you so much for supporting. And thank you, Jared M., who is a higher vampire, who gives a shout-out every week. And if you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash thewitcherlorecast. And to get ad-free episodes or even join us once a month on the show, which our patron chat is in... Next week. One week. Yeah, next week. I can't remember. Days. Days day, Days are hard. Um, and you can also support us on Apple and Spotify. If you leave a five-star review on Apple with some words or a nice Spotify comment, we'll read those out loud on the show as well, which we don't have any this week, which is okay. Uh, and then you can also find us on a few different Discord servers. You can find us on the Robots uh, Radio Discord at robotsradio.net, as well as my own Discord, the Benefriends Podcasting Discord, which are on the links provided below. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. Do you have anything? No. No? Pretty short and sweet. So let's get back into more of the magical forces in the continent, or Norlane Pantheon, I should say. You smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. All right, we're back. And now we get to talk about something I hate. That's okay. We all hate it. That's true. We all do. Um, To talk about the uh, kind of final magical force of the Nordling Pantheon, the Eternal Fire. Hooray. Oh, I wasn't expecting you to do a hooray. I thought we were just going to sit here in silence and show oh. how much we hated Ooh. it by not that was, By the way, <laughs> if anybody could tell, that was a psychar- sarcastic yay. I, yeah, yeah, I kind of figured. So the Eternal Fire is a religious cult that has had many followers among hu- humans of the Northern Kingdoms. It was founded in Novigrad, where it was practically law, and the city served as the religion's de facto capital. The cult is led by an elected hierarch who's chosen by the electoral college. God, what a horrible fucking thing. That's this electoral college in the Witcher, bro. I'm scared. This is how you know it's corrupt, right? (laughs) (laughs) If anybody doesn't get that, we both live in the United States. Enough said. <laughs> yeah, enough said. Um, but the hierarchy is chosen by the Electoral College, with the seat currently being occupied by Sirens Inglekind Hamelfort. The cult's greatest temple was the Novogradian Grand Picket. Uh, so according to Game Canon, um, by 1272, the cult had grown in popularity to the point it was declared as the Church of the Eternal Fire. While it had no official acting army or military body, the Order of the Flaming Rose and the Witch Hunters defended the Eternal Fire and upheld its laws, while the Temple Guards patrolled and protected the Grand Picket in Novigrad. Um, so, 
Yeah. They're a bunch of assholes. That, that's really what that are. means. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even though this is a magical force, it is also kind of perceived as its own separate, like, deity slash own religion. It's kind of a weird thing. Um, but yeah. uh, with that comes different uh, parts of it, which is uh, the so the eternal power. The eternal fire is the patron for the light that illuminates the darkness, endurance, progression, progression and innovativeness, and a hope for a better tomorrow. Oh, that's a bunch of BS right there. Hey, I'm sure they believe it. I'm sure they believe it. Oh, I'm sure they believe it until Geralt walks through Novigrad and just butchers all of them. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they still believe it. Nah, <laughs> you point. see Geralt as the monster. Uh, uh, unless you uh, argue that one priest in Novigrad and you actually get citizens like, oh, wow, everything that Witcher says is true. And like freaking discredits the, the priest of the Eternal Fire. And then you mm-hmm. walk in an alley. You can run against him again with uh, bandits with him or whatnot. Yeah. And you can just literally massacre them it's great yeah it's real nice um well, they're worshipped by Novogradians, and uh, it has been spreading uh to the other parts of the northern kingdoms um its symbol is the burning flame or a torch is popular among prophets knights poets and the majority of Novograd's inhabitants uh, as a religion center is the great temple of the eternal fire in Novigrad, the Grand Picket, a few churches and shrines in other parts of the Northern Kingdoms. Uh, and it has much in the way of a military arm with the Order of the Flaming Rose, the Witch Hunters, and the Temple Guards, and the Temple Fleet. They have their own navy. Which is, again, a bunch of BS. It's so wild, honestly. So... <sighs> I mean, granted, we did have holy knights during the Middle Ages. Well, England did, not us, but, like, religions typically at some point have a religious army. Yeah. Uh, So we do have a bit of information uh, from, and I'm probably going to fucking butcher this, uh, (laughs) the original Witcher tabletop. Or pen and paper RPG. The Hexer. Uh, <laughs> that, that was based off of the books and the Hexer, or, or led to the development of the Hexer. I can't remember, but uh, I... If nobody knows something... what the Hexer is, that's okay. You don't need to know. Yeah, you don't need to know. <laughs> but uh, it, closest I can get it is Ouidamine Grabrajny. Uh, which yeah, translates, yeah, I've been Google translating pronunciation over here for like 10 minutes <laughs> to try and get it. We do mean gra My mouth just doesn't know how to move that way. Um, so sorry if I fucked that up. I tried my best. Um, the, but, uh, there's this, and then later the second edition one that we'll talk about some of the information there. Um, but according to a legend, when the first human colonists were visiting the abandoned town, they saw a strange glow emanating from one of the palaces. Inside, they met an individual sitting near the great bowl of fire. Being asked about his personality, answered, I guard the eternal fire. As long as it will flame in this place, so long this city and your kin will endure. And then he disappeared. 
the astonished humans discerned a divine sign in the incident and, des and designated some men to keep an eye on the fire. The Cree's missionaries who later came acknowledged that the town had been blessed by the presence of their god and helped in organizing the church on the model of their cult. Novograd was the area's only brick town, so lots of people were coming to settle down. Some of them traded, others dabbled in craft. With time, non-humans also came. They didn't entertain priests due to not causing they didn't entertain priests due to not causing harm to a city, paying taxes, and sometimes even worshiping the fire. Only the Druids have been disliked, who are accusing Novigrad of making the river polluted. The priests are strongly against using magic, as it shouldn't sully the place where the eternal fire flames. Sorcery is considered as a blasphemy, excluding the ones who have obtained an official permission or trade imported magic magical items. According to the second edition, oh, by the way, the closest translation for this is the Witcher Game of Imagination. According to Google Translate, at least. Um, but I don't believe there's any like official translation out there. But Probably not. Um, but according to the second edition, Eternal Fire is a symbol of hope, enduring misfortune, light pointing the way in darkness, heralding progress and a better tomorrow. Holy flame guards the city from the forces of evil that could threaten its citizens. Everyone believes that any monster could break within the walls and undermining this belief is considered to be a blasphemy since it is questioning the power of the eternal fire. Oh. One must admit that it protects extremely effectively indeed, though there is no longer against them uh, since the Novogradian priests had enthusiastically eradicated all creatures which could be considered as monsters. Arguable, I guess. Yeah, that's arguable. Yeah. Um, so we have a bit of information from the first Witcher game. In the game, Geralt first encounters the cult of the Eternal Fire as personified by the Reverend in the outskirts. Not the finest of introductions, but the Reverend is only one of many preachers. Nah, Other people... The he's a dick. <laughs> they usually are. <laughs> Other people the Witcher meets in his travel may or may not belong to the cult. Other religions are also portrayed. Druids, followers of Melithala, the Lady of the Lake, and non-humans in particular do not adhere to that faith. Our hero also meets worshippers of the Waterlords and of Dagon. So they're just one of many religions in the game. Um, we do have a, past, a glossary entry. Uh, the Cults of the Eternal Fire. Worshippers of the Eternal Fire believe in the undying flame as a symbol of survival and a guide through darkness. They view it as a harbinger of progress and better days to come. Clerics of the eternal fire oversee the faithful as well as their temples where flames burn continuously. The order of the flaming rose is the cult's militant arm. The cult of the eternal fire is a very aggressive faith, which fights against all abnormal beings, such as non-humans, witches, and of course, beasts. Occasionally, even witchers aren't welcome in cities that believe in the eternal fire. And very aggressive is right. Mm -hmm. If you play Witcher 3 and enter Novigrad, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about. Yeah, it's it's not great. No, it's, no, it's no, not great. it's not. Uh, so moving on to the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Uh, the cult has been elevated to the status of Church of the Eternal Fire, and its practitioners run the city of Novigrad. Next to the cartels. Yep. 
That's pretty much what it is. It's run by a church and a bunch of criminals. Yeah. Which, to hey. say, is the church might as well be as a criminal, too. So Yeah. The city of freedom, Ben. That's what it's all about. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Mm, that, that's one way to put it. Crime and faith. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yep. Um, so as we did with the other ones um, in our second Northern Pantheon episode, we will talk about their militant arm, their knightly order known as the Order of the Flaming Rose, um, which was the follower or the the what came after the Order of the White Rose. Um, so the Order of the Flaming Rose, sometimes simply the Order, is a religious knightly order established in 1268 with significant presence in the Nordling lands. At first, knights were mostly based and organized in the kingdoms of Adern and Tamaria, but later, after the uprising in Vizima, King Foltis confiscated the order's assets in his dominion to finance repairs, and they were forced to move further north to Redania and even Kaidwin. The primary purposes of the order are to defend the downtrodden from evil and spread the belief in the eternal fire, but they also serve as a police force or an iron fist to hunt down heretics. Before the death of the first Grand Master Jacques de Aldersberg, defending the needy extended to killing monsters for free as well, but after reforms, they had less time to do that. You good? Yeah, oh, I am good. But people are okay. talking. <laughs> but uh, Oh, in your house? Oh, yeah, in my house. Yep. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes sense, though, with them. Uh, they had a good ordaining. No wonder they went got corrupt even more. Oh, we'll talk about that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that. So they are a military religious order whose purpose is to defend humans from evil in whatever Quote, form they perceive evil to be. Uh, their coat of arms is that of a, a white rose with kind of like these like flaming, these flame, gold flame looking thing around it on a red shield. Um, its predecessor is the Order of the White Rose, established in 1268. Uh, it was temporarily disbanded by Radovid V during the Northern War, the Third Northern War, which but was later restored. Um, its headquarters are clo Cloister in Vitsima, formerly Castle Berienmerg, formerly, um, and now don't really have a specific location. Uh, its founder was Jacques de Aldersberg. Uh, its leader is the Holy Congregation, headed by the Grand Master. Uh, notable members include Siegfried of Denisla and Roderick the Wet. Uh, just served all over the Northern Kingdoms, and they are affiliated with the Eternal Fire and the Syndicate secretly. Hmm. Yeah. Criminals. Criminals. Um, hmm. Criminals. <laughs> this fucking <laughs> cartoon villain as voice he went with. See? Criminals. <laughs> See? Yeah, I mean, if anybody doesn't know, um, or I haven't said it on this podcast, but uh, I am started doing voiceover webinars, so I've been doing stuff with that so are you yeah. gonna be a cartoon villain is that where you're going for i could be gonna be the next mark hamill over here bro <laughs> <laughs> but anyways uh so their emblem or coat of arms um during the leadership of the aldersburg the coat of arms was a natural dark red rose in golden flames on a dark red field 
Later, the flame was changed to a ribbon, and the rose was sometimes depicted as white. So it has seen some changes. Um, but let's get a little bit into the history, and we'll talk about this fucking Redania bullshit. <laughs> so the order was formed in 1268 with the help of the Redanian Intelligence Service. Oh, boy. Uh, That's just a good, and <laughs> good start. <laughs> Hell yeah. Sigismund Dijkstra and Ori Reuven in particular to counter the rising power of sorceresses who are organizing themselves and growing in might. Man, that fucking, that vendetta against Philippa really eating you, eat your heart out there. Uh, Dijkstra. I was betrayed by the woman I love. What do I do in response? Form a fucking knightly <laughs> order with the purpose of killing all sorceresses. Jesus Christ, bro. Um... Uh, Furthermore, Redanians intentionally refused to grant a charter to the main com uh, commandery of the order, thus preventing a strong organization from planting roots within the country's borders. The whole organization was built on foundations of the Order of the White Rose, which was operating in Temeria for centuries, but instead of staying true to their ideals, the Knights of the White Rose became more and more interested, acquiring landmarks from local nobles and generally hoarding wealth. Attaining membership required only the donation of 1,000 Novigrad crowns to the order's treasury. Heck you can just buy your way in. That's too <laughs> much. That's a lot, but you can just buy your way in. Yeah. Hey, my Geralt could have joined the Order of the Flaming Rose I mean, mine 16 could times too. over, bro. I, I had so much freaking crowns. Mm -hmm. After the end of the Second War with Nilfgaard and death of Grandmaster Rudolf Alaris, Charismatic leader known as Jacques d'Aldersberg pinned up his cloak and went through the major reforms that directed the Brotherhood to help with upholding the law, maintaining peace, ensuring the survival of Northerners, protecting the people from monsters and other evils without demanding coin, and last but not least, to promote belief in the eternal fire. Test, test. Yeah. Uh, the order's first headquarters were located in the cloister of Visima's temple quarter, with no numerous commanderies spread across the whole of Tamaria and Adern. In its beginnings, the Order of the Flaming Rose was underestimated and treated too lightly by both aristocracy and monarchs. The Grandmaster was calculating and cunning, but he was above all a fanatic. In that time, the order aimed to gain as much power over people's souls as possible. To achieve this, the Order waged secret wars with other clandestine organizations, such as the Lodge of Sorceresses. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> the persecution of witches and freaks was but a prelude to the real attack, which was later directed against the mages. Also, just the terminology of freaks. Freaks! Yeah. Witches and freaks. I guess Geralt's a freak. I mean, they call him a freak. Yeah. Like, Geralt even, like, directly say that all the time. Look, it's not my favorite nickname for Geralt, so... I'm just no, it's not. That. What's your favorite nickname for Geralt, Ben? Uh, I mean... Always White Wolf for me. Always. White Wolf? Yeah. Okay. I have a very different perspective. My, my favorite nickname for him is... Witch fucker! <laughs> oh, there's that too. That <laughs> thing is so funny because it always screams so loud. Someone yeah. screams it. Yeah. Just some random ass dude, just witch fucker! Just for no reason. I mean, 
What I mean, take that by pride, because he's that's exactly what he is. I mean, he is. He he do be fucking the witches, bro. Mm-hmm. So many. Um. Anyway, it's not important. Sorry. Anyway, uh, well, f- here's a little tid- tidbit. I mean, yes, it is important. If you're uh, fucking if you, witches, they typically don't like you. If you go like on you. the uh, on the ship with when all the sorceresses at the towards the end of Witcher Three, mm-hmm. you can hear Philippa talking to um. I think it's Frangilla mm-hmm. uh, saying, um, saying he's like, you know, Geralt's almost had sex with every or had sex with every sorceress on this boat on the ship. Right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like I think the, the only one is not Philippa. like only, yeah, the only one in Philippa. there is not Philippa. He's literally has screwed everyone on the boat. Yeah, because what I'm trying to think, obviously, Triss and Yen, mm-hmm. Frangilla, Frangilla. Uh, um trying to remember who he, else is part of it coral he he has it's coral's there right mm, i don't think no? she's there no but he has fucked coral yes we know that much i'm trying to think who else the other was... was sabrina the... no sabrina's dead in witcher 2 um not francesca she had, he he never he never did anything with francesca no Maybe no, I can't remember. He he screwed almost the entire lodge. That, that's all I remember. All the main ones that we care about. <laughs> you looking it up? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. That one's the one that. How many women did Geralt of Rivia sleep with? Jennifer <laughs> <laughs> many times. Triss, uh, Coral, Renfri. It says Renfi. Essie, Davin, Morin, Taya, and Veya. Uh, Iola, Shawnee, Fringilla. Okay, so so th- no three. Mm-hmm. I think because on the I think on the ship it's only Tris, Yin, Fringilla, and Philippa. I think it's only those four. And Philippa's was the one saying it. And it's like, well, obviously not me. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure a good reason why <laughs> he wouldn't touch you with a ten foot pole. <laughs> I mean, he's fucking. It's not. That's who moral. knows? It, yeah. Who knows? He's he's he doesn't care. That's he doesn't give point. a fuck, bro. Obviously. <laughs> oh, Kira, of course, oh, because and Kira. of yeah. the game. The, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting Kira. In I don't think wise. she's there, but still. Um, yeah, bro, bro, really fucking ran a train through the whole goddamn. No, <laughs> <laughs> not quite. But, not important. Where was I at? After Geralt. here, I think. Um, after Geralt killed Jacques at the behest of King Foltest and Radovid V, the order with Siegfried of Denizla as new leader disassociated itself from the former from the politics of its former Grand Master, changing even the setup of its coat of arms. Ever since then, the rose is no longer burning, but is instead surrounded by a golden ribbon and making several other necessary reforms. The Order resigned from all their previous possessions and completely relocated to Redania after an agreement between the Order's Supreme Council and Radovid V, who granted them some land in the middle of his kingdom and helped them to build a new stronghold uh, castle, Berienmerg. They even stopped killing monsters, last of which were werewolves of the Tredegor Forest. Radovid later invited them to the peace talks at Loch Muin, where they camped outside, supporting the peace of negotiations and providing protection. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. Protect sure. me. <laughs> yeah. uh, the order also took part in witch hunts, which followed after the summit. During the Third Nilfgaard War, when the Front reached the Pontar, they were sent by Radovid V to fight in a massive but indecisive battle that took place there. A large portion of the order was sacrificed, and they were anxious to grieve for their fallen. However, their homes were no longer theirs. Radovid had sold their estates, fortresses, and outposts to the highest bidder, seized its treasury, and disbanded the order. A mixture of negative emotion caused one of the knights, Ulrich, to gather men loyal to him and establish a drug business in order to make a living. This faction became known as the Fallen Knights, and Ulrich began to be titled Grand Master. Wow, what a big F you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And by the way, you can encounter the Fallen Knights um, when you have Hearts of Stone. Mm -hmm. And do that stuff. You can encounter them there. Uh, other members either left the order to join the witch hunters under Radovid or became freelance mercenaries. Some were also recruited by the Temple Guard. Still others gathered under a high-ranking officer of the order, Siegfried DeLoe, and offered protection to villagers for coin. Ulrich and other radical leaders were later eventually slain by Geralt at the request of Adela, member of the Redanian Free Company, and their remaining followers died fighting against the local sheriff's army. Geralt just be wiping these bitches out. <laughs> yup. Good yep. riddance. Um, even though it looked worse than ever for the Order, its new Grand Master managed to reunite remaining groups and at least partially regain lost status, respect, and fortune to the point where they were able to send a representative, Count Arthur Talos of Dorndal, and his two bodyguards to the International Knights Tourney that took place during 1275 near Beauclair in Toussaint. They also dispatched a group of sanctimonious knights that tried to get Novigrad rid of Ostriga, one that marauded for years after the end of Wars of Nilfgaard, though they ultimately failed in this endeavor. This means, however, that they somewhat returned to killing monsters. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you encounter them during the tourney, right? Yeah. And Blood Wine? Yeah, so, because this is, obviously, these things, like, these are Witcher 3 things, yeah. and then spreading into Hearts of Stone and Blood and Wine, different parts, so, of course, of course they're always around. You can never get rid of them, truly. No, just like the monsters. Mm-hmm. I mean... I mean, they fit the description of Geralt's <laughs> first monster he ever killed. That is true. That is very true. Mm -hmm. um, so we do have some glossary entries um, from the different games because they are in all of them. Um, so for The Witcher 1, uh, the Order of the Flaming Rose was established after the war with Nilfgaard by the charismatic leader Jacques de Aldersberg on the foundations of the deteriorating Order of the White Rose. The Aldersburg's aim was to protect the people from monsters and other evils and to promote belief in the eternal fire. Uh, the Order's headquarters are located in Fitzima with numerous commanderies spread across the Hall of Temeria. And we do actually see the story of them progress throughout these games because each different game has an important facet of their history. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the book People of the Shadows reveals some secrets regarding the genesis of the Order of the Flaming Rose. According to the author, the Order was established with the help of the Redanian Intelligence Service to counter the sorceresses. 
who were organizing themselves and growing in power. Furthermore, the author believes that Redanian intent Redania intentionally refused to grant a charter to the main commandery of the order, thus preventing a strong organization from planting roots. According to the author of The Aftermath of the War, the Order of the Flaming Rose is underestimated and treated too lightly. The Grand Master may be calculating and cunning, but he is above all a fanatic. Furthermore, the author believes that the Order aims to gain as much power over people's souls as possible. And to achieve this, the Order wages secret wars with other clandestine organizations, such as the one founded by the sorceresses. The persecution of witches and freaks is but a prelude to the real attack, which will be directed against the sorceresses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Just because a jealous ex wanted to get back at his ex. Yeah. Yeah. I do some feel somewhat feel bad for Dijkstra, but that's. I mean, what to you, be fair, his but you his, have to like his ex killed his king. True, like orchestrated the death of his king, and you know, so you know, he he was loyal. That's true. That's true. He was loyal to the king, and she kind of betrayed his his loyalty. So I kind of understand from a perspective of. But and, he could know, also be the intelligence man. He is. And the head of the intelligence uh, part of the Rudanian military. You should have saw it coming for how smart you are, dude. Yeah, probably. But, you know, she knew how to play him. Yeah. They definitely <laughs> showed, I think, a better, a better. I, I mean, I do appreciate that part of the se- of season three where they kind of specifically show us Philippa like manipulating him and how she, good she was at. She was at doing it. He, she so. knows how to play him. Mm-hmm. She also knows how to whip him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And considered a uh, courtesy of season three. Yeah. That. Oh, God. That, that was, was a weird so scene, weird. bro. That was, <laughs> that was a weird scene. <laughs> I was not expecting it. I was like, okay. That's not. It was a choice. It was definitely a choice that they made. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, moving on to their their entry from The Witcher 2, um, Order of the Flaming Rose. This knightly brotherhood originating in Temeria initially followed sublime ideas. It could not have been otherwise as it was founded on the basis of fighting corruption and depravity in the Order of the White Rose, a declining association that in effect of those reforms was then transformed into the Order of the Flaming Rose. Unfortunately, strong racist tendencies, even strengthened by the leadership of Jacques d'Aldersberg, turned the new order into a nest of intolerance. Its role in the Vitsima Rebellion still remains morally ambiguous. Yeah. I love, I love, I love how, how fucking unbridled and based the fucking Witcher Two glossary is. Oh my god! It's, yeah. it's unhinged. Fucking racist. <laughs> Dandelion had no. He he doesn't mince words in those in those glossaries. Mm-hmm. At all. I appreciate it. So. Oh. But yeah. That's all we got. Woo! So that's the magical forces, everyone. We ended with the uh, essentially the extinction of the Order of the Feathering Rose because you basically wipe them out as Geralt. I figured we end on a good ending. Yeah, you you basically wipe out the Eternal Fire. Isn't that great? Yeah. 
bunch of a holes. <laughs> can never truly wipe out the eternal fire. No, no, they're just like the monsters. They try to kill themselves. You know what I would really like to do though is just be Geralt, just fucking like march up the fucking streets of Novigrad towards just the start temple. Punching people. Well, just like like you know, fight off as many people as you need to, and then just fucking go into their goddamn church and just pour some water over the eternal fire. <laughs> Put it out, you know, just like fucking just just fucking send that shit. Or you know what? No, 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 no. Give me post blood and wine. Give me the fucking like the the super cold art attack. I'll just fucking freeze that Ooh, thing. Yes. Bam. There you go. Done. Just freeze the oh. fire. Just freeze it. Not only that, it was corrupted by magic. The thing <laughs> you hate the most. Oh, no. <clears throat> what are you going to do? I'm a witcher yeah. who can easily fucking cry take out an entire army oh, by you myself. Oh, you want to come fight me? Pirouette, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Girl, pirouettes. And he pirouettes again. And pirouettes again. Simi. I draw a semicircle and it pirouettes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, if no one's had ever read the read or listen to the audiobooks that is almost that's literally every fight scene semicircle pirouette semicircle pirouette that's literally it all it really is. is it really is that's all it is also i just realized that my my voice just kind of instinctively went to Geralt there <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> i can i i have been able to do a like a a, a doug cockle Geralt's impression um Pretty well, I've been told. Um, but it was, I was just one time while playing Fortnite. Um, I was playing with my buddy Sky and he was, uh, he was Geralt and I was Siri. Like we had the skins on. Um, and we were like running around just like doing duos, like killing people. Um, and I just remember saying a bunch of random ass fucking Fortnite shit, but like in Geralt's voice. <laughs> it was just, it was just unhinged. <laughs> But I've never been able to replicate the voice since then. I just can't get it right. It's a, it's hard. It's really hard to do. Shout out Doug Cockle because I could not. Right. It's it's oh, it's like real weird. If, you got to get. If anybody like, cares, uh, Doug Cockle Siri. has been streaming on Twitch. He's playing Baldur's Gate. It's great. Hell yeah! I, I joined in and just said hi. And it's like, oh, Ben Tamir is here. <laughs> Fuck! I need to. I think I followed yes. him, but I haven't seen it in a while. I think he streams a lot in the morning, though, right? And it's like it's like midday. Oh, okay. Typically, uh, fun fact: he uh, streams on an iMac, which I'm honestly surprised that works. It's just iMacs aren't the great for gaming, but it works oh, for Baldur's Gate. How am I not following him? Never mind. There it is. <gasps> I'll see it now. I thought I did. I guess I didn't. I don't know. Did oh. I follow something else? I don't remember. Well, anybody listening, go follow Doug Cockle on Twitch. He's affiliate. Yes. Already, which is insane. He got affiliate in like a few days. It's insane. Though, being the I mean, voice actor it's, he is, it's, it's not. Doug it's, also, it's also not surprising. So, but um, yeah, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, Toasty, you want to shout out your other stuff? Uh, yeah. Um, I do the Cyberpunk Lorecast as well as the Cyberpunk Red Live Play Podcast, Cyberpunk to Cyberpunk Apostrophe D, uh, that I do with the Phone Link for an Almighty Crit King that is, uh, coming towards its finale 
So go check that out. Yeah, go check it out. And apparently I now co-host the Cyberpunk Lorecast as Tom. <laughs> I, I left a review for the Elder Scrolls Lorecast because I haven't never left a review. And he's like, oh yeah, Ben Tamara, he co-hosts uh, Cyberpunk Lorecast and a bunch of other shows. And I'm thinking, like, listen to this in my car. And it's like, no, no, I don't, Tom. Wrong one, <laughs> wrong one, Tom. Wrong one, Tom. I know we have a lot of shows on the network, but you hosted the one I took over. <laughs> Though he actually he he did host um, both, so yeah, he did. I was like, he's a kind of thing. He didn't hope he did host both. He did make both. Yeah, but that he did cyberpunk by himself for the longest time. Yeah, and then he did it with. Well, he didn't do it for too long by himself. He did it a lot with uh, Captain Logan. That was the True. majority of it. Um, True, but you can now find uh, now. Yeah, now. It, now it's uh, you and Jen and then... us, me and Jen, not Ben. He is yeah. not. I'm on this show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can find me here and as well as my other shows, Holocron History, Star Wars Canon versus Legends, the Final Fantasy lore cast and the Wizarding World lore cast, all part of Robots Radio. And go check me out live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Ben of Tamaria to where I go live with those three shows and go help me get affiliate status because I'm literally on the borderline of hitting affiliate i'm at 2.74 out of three damn that's close i jumped up in like the last like the last two times i streamed because i had like three viewers and then the next day i had like over six viewers nice and it just spiked and i (laughs) just i just need a few more days of just three so go help me out to get I affiliate to, in here hopefully in the next like couple days so you need to put your stream on in the background while i'm in my D D sessions that's there really that's i mean i know you i know you, you do holocron whatever i have D D. I i just need to fucking throw that shit up and let it just <laughs> just have your entire D D session just watch and it be in the no. background <laughs> yeah. but uh thank you everybody for listening to the witcher lore cast and stay safe on the path Thank you for listening to The Witcher Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can find us on the Ben and Friends Podcasting Discord, where you can share your thoughts, comments, or even experiences with The Witcher Lore. You can also find us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast.